0: Sometimes what you're fighting for and what you want and the door you're banging on, it's just not quite the right door. You just got to turn a little bit. You got to listen to your own voice that tells you where to go. Is it time to try something else? Is it time to keep pushing? Is it time to like just accept where you're at? Like whatever it is, like listen to your heart because it will never lead you astray. Maybe it's just not the right door. Maybe it's just not the right time.
1: Hey everyone, welcome back to On Purpose. I am so excited for today's conversation. You know that I love introducing the guests that you can fall more in love with, but even more importantly, guests that are willing to open their heart, share the challenges they've been through, and share with us how they can actually act as a guide through lessons, through learning from their challenges, mistakes and issues that they've gone through and people are willing to be vulnerable with us. And so whenever we get this opportunity, I want you to listen to this episode with an open heart, with an open mind and really with gratitude for our guest today who's willing to talk about so many different experiences that I know will help you through so many things in your life. Today's guest, as you already know, is none other than Lindsay Sterling. Now, Lindsay is a platinum-selling electronic violinist, dancer, artist, and author. She's known for smashing boundaries and defying expectations. And on her fifth full-length album, Artemis, she once again conjures the spirit of innovation that initially distinguished her back in 2010. She has over 12 million subscribers and over 2 billion views, On YouTube, Lindsay shares that in her life, she's gone through depression, anorexia, and loss, but she always comes out on the other side and wants to remind everyone it's possible. Today, I'm thrilled to find out more about how she fills her life with positivity and her creative process as an artist. Welcome to the show, Lindsay Sterling.
0: Lindsay. Hi. Oh my gosh. I'm like blushing over here. (laughs) It's (laughs) all true. Such a great intro. Thank you.
1: It's all true. And I also wanted to say as a personal intro, we actually met for the first time, I think around two years ago, nearly Mm -hmm. two years ago, at the summit of greatness by Lewis Howes. Yes. And I remember I'd so I've been a big fan of the violin my whole life. Oh really? Like I think it's the most beautiful instrument in the world. I have never tried to pick it up for that exact reason. (laughs) Because I do not want to ruin that reputation that it has for me, but and and I'd heard you, your work before, mm-hmm. and so I remember coming up to you and you were signing books that year, yeah, and and I remember just telling you how much I loved your work and your performance that day it was just phenomenal, and I know we've been wanting to have you on the podcast for a while, so thank you so much for being so kind and generous with your time and being here.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I feel like it's been so long in the making to like get here today. So literally,
1: yeah, yeah. but it's perfect. And I wanted to start off with a question that I don't think you get asked often, or maybe maybe it would be a, a different place to start. But I wanted to ask you, what's your favorite anime series from the 90s?
0: Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, probably like, I love Spirited Away. I just think it's so, I, and I love Sailor Moon, like all those early anime I, I love their storytelling, but I also love the costuming. Like yeah. I've always been really inspired, even in my own style, a little bit. Like I don't even know if today it represents, but oh, the pocket
1: watch! Is the, cool.
0: I've got a pocket watch, just like interesting pieces, like <laughs> yeah. like anime characters. So, yeah, I yeah. love it. And
1: we both discovered just before, literally, we talked for about ten, fifteen minutes about our love for Harry Potter, and. Avatar. Yes. And Disney World it's and all Universal the,
0: All the fan fiction stuff. I was like, oh my gosh, you're a nerd too. Yeah.
1: I'm, <laughs> I'm a super nerd. I know everything. I know all the <laughs> hidden parts of the movies. And I, I get into all of that. That's yeah. when I saw the pocket watch. I was very impressed. Oh, thank you. I was just like, there's... I really there.
0: dressed up today. I wore I know. my pocket watch. <laughs> I love it.
1: I love it. And, you know, with all of these things that we're talking about, all the things we're both fascinated by as well, you talk a lot about your belief in miracles Mm -hmm. right and like magic almost to some degree as well Yeah, tell us about where that belief came from and and what is a miracle to you like what counts as a miracle to you
0: that is such a great question I've never been asked before (laughs) um I love that so I was raised in a home that was very religious um and sometimes people say that in a way of almost they're scarred by it but I feel like the the religious aspects of my life have really blessed me so much. They've made me, I feel like a deeper person. They've believe, made me believe in something greater than myself. And, you know, my um, I was raised in a Mormon home and, um, you know, and I, I really combine the aspects of religion still in my life. I still go to church on Sunday. I actually teach a Sunday school class that for the teenagers. Right. And, and it's something that's only bettered my life. Um, and I think that a lot of times people see religion as divisive, I think that when religion is used for what it's actually meant for, it's, it's inclusive. It's, it's, it helps people bind together. It gives you opportunities for service. It gives you opportunities to, to uplift other people and to be uplifted when you're the one that's weak in these like communities of, you know, as long as it's something that, you know, my parents always taught us that the basis of, you know, whether we believe this or they believe that what we need to always rely on is it's love. Love is the basis of all of it. And if, you start to make it a divide, you're missing the point of what, you know, religion was supposed to be. And so for me, it's, it's a mixture of religious, um, aspects and spirituality, just connecting to something greater than myself. And I think that, um, I don't know when I really started, I just believe so strongly that, um, that miracles happen all the time. Mm -hmm. And I like to look for miracles in my life every day. Um, And I think that it really became even stronger for me after I lost people I loved. Um, Because suddenly this other side, you know, like I've heard my whole life that we go somewhere after we die. And when my best friend passed away and shortly after that, my father passed away, um, suddenly someone I loved so much, two people I loved so much were on that other side. And I just started to really think, where are they? What are they doing? Like, how close can they get? And I've been given so many little miracles, for lack of a better term, in my life that show me that they are looking out for me. And the more I look for that, the more I see it. And I've had such little, you know, everything from tiny, special, tiny miracles to big things that have happened that just make me. Feel powerful in a way, almost like a, I imagine I walk through life with these angels around me that are looking out for me and whispering things in my ear and helping me. And it makes me feel almost like I have a superpower. I'm a superhero because I've got this strength and angels from the other side. And I pr- I pray for help all the time from that, asking specific angels. Sometimes it's my grandma and asking for help. Sometimes it's, um, you know, my best friend, my dad. Sometimes I'm like, hey, I want to channel Lucille Bald today. I want Lucille Bald to be my special angel today. <laughs> you know, like I'll ask specific angels for help. I know that might sound weird, but it, it does make me feel like I go through life with help from the other side and extra power.
1: Yeah, that's beautiful. That's amazing. And I love that you talked about how miracles are both small and big things. That sometimes it could be the tiniest thing that happens in your day that Mm. changes your mood or is like a little lesson or a piece of wisdom or whatever it is. And then it could be something huge, like, you know, the the great successes and achievements you've had in your life. And I think it's beautiful when we can see miracles in both. Because I think sometimes we're waiting for miracles to be like these big, gigantic changes. right? And actually sometimes miracles aren't like that at all.
0: Absolutely. And like, even sometimes my family all talks all the time about like, Oh, our angels are looking out for us because we all have this thing in common that our dad is over there. He's one of our angels. And so we'll always, even if it's like, Oh, I remembered right before I left the house that I should grab whatever it is, you know, it's like, Oh, my angels are whispering in my ear, you know? And like I said, I think that whatever you look for in life, you're going to see more of. And if you are not looking for something, yeah, you're going to be like, well, I never see miracles. I never get that. But if you, it's like when you all of a sudden become aware of an artist, all of a sudden you're like, oh, they're everywhere.
1: They're <laughs> yeah. on
0: that billboard. They're on the radio. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. how come I never heard of this person before? But it's because now they're in your peripheral view. You've seen Hopefully. them. And, and I think it's the same with gratitude or with miracles or with whatever it is you're looking for in life. If you look for it, you'll see it.
1: That's such a great point. The way to test it is if you ever buy a new car or an item, <laughs> right? Yes. If you ever buy a new car or you're thinking about buying a new car and then you go on the road, you see that car everywhere. Right. And it could be a rare car. It may be a common car, whatever it is, but you, it is exactly that. Whatever's in your peripheral view, you start to see it everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, and I think what, the point you just made is so beautiful because I think sometimes it's like when you're rushing out the home and you notice you forgot something it's almost like oh i forgot it like it's almost like a negative yes. feeling right rather than like oh thanks I, I remembered right like the way you're seeing right it. and it's so interesting because it's such a small thing and we do it every day i know i do it sometimes it's like i get downstairs i'm about to get in my car and i'm like oh i forgot my wallet or whatever it is right rather than like, oh i'm so glad i remembered rather than getting That's to the really store interesting. And
0: yeah out, right yeah. yeah or even having a moment to be like oh thanks you know yeah yeah <laughs> Thank you, my angels, or, or whatever it is that yeah. you see as your, you know, thank you, my brain, for being smart and remembering whatever you want to see it is. I, I like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you just you said oh, it. Not well, me. you put
0: it anyways. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and one thing that I think has helped me so much, I talk about all the time, is my gratitude journal. Yes. Has been very like transformative in my life. And this like I didn't realize like something so simple would make such a big impact. And it's things like that where um, automatic responses start to become more gratitude-based than negative-based. And it's exactly like you said, the same exact situation where I can be like, I am so stupid that I always get to my car and I forget something. Or, oh, thank heavens I remembered before I left. You know, and its I've noticed a shift happen in my mind of all these little tiny things that happen automatically now that turn more towards an optimistic attitude rather than a beat-myself-up attitude or a complain attitude, Um, all because I practice every single night for five minutes before I go to bed, just like several things I'm grateful for. And it's just those little tiny things that make the biggest difference in life. And I often think that when we want to change, you, I think sometimes I used to be like, oh gosh, I've got so much work to do. And like, I have to change everything in order to be a better person. But it's like, no, it's tiny, tiny pivots, tiny, tiny tweaks, like little things that are going to just make these huge impacts over time. And it's all about just one pivot at a time not shifting everything one tiny tiny turn
1: absolutely when did you start your gratitude journal process like when did that become a regular habit in your life
0: um two years ago
1: oh wow okay yeah. so fairly recent
0: so yeah it's been yeah. a fairly recent it's been, thing. A, it's
1: been a long enough time to <laughs> practice it but it's been fairly recent in your right. life. right yeah and where, where did you get introduced to it and why why did was it just you read an article or a book or you heard it somewhere or was
0: I just heard it enough? I think. Yeah, <laughs> you know I'd heard enough people say that this is a good practice to do because I listen to a lot. Like I like to fill my life with positivity, whether it's reading like Brene Brown books and my yeah. as you know on Audible as I drive in my car or listening to podcasts. And I feel like the more I fill my life with positivity, you know, <laughs> the more positive I am. Obviously, and so this was something I just kept hearing about. And every year I like to pick a word to work on. And last year, as a result of kind of starting this gratitude journal, I decided I'm going to dive in. My word for last year was gratitude. And it was really nice. And I think that's a really good way to approach new year's resolutions because you can make tons of little like goals, but they all, all my goals always focus around my word for the year. So it's like, this is my big goal. And then I'm going to just make lots of little like things that will hopefully lead to that. And Anyway, so that's when I really dove into it. I was like, we're doing this. I'm going to visualize it. I'm going to write it. I'm going to be it.
1: I love that. And and how many things do you do every night?
0: Only three. Okay. It's very manageable. I do three when I go to bed and then I do three when I wake up. I love that. So it's just like the bookends of my day. And then, you know, sometimes when I'm really ambitious, I sit there and I'll visualize those things and I'll try to like feel them actually, Mm -hmm. not just write, then see, then actually feel and then. Go to bed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love the sound effects. That's too. the plan. Hello. <laughs> what was what was the intention for the year of 2020? What was the word for this year?
0: Oh my my word for this year is actually magic. So oh, it's funny that you started. I have no idea. And you start off the podcast with that word. I, That's but crazy. Wow. Again, I've heard that word so much in the last month. See, I haven't because I've probably because I'm looking for it and I'm thinking about it. Uh, and th- the reason I chose magic is I feel like. I don't even know how to describe it. I feel like I used to live a little more magically (laughs) where I made big wishes and I dreamed big. And, um, you know, I didn't even realize this, but someone was telling me that every eight years, it's a year of manifestation. Mm. And I guess this year is one of those years. And so eight years ago was a year of manifestation. So I was looking back at eight years ago and the things that I believed I could do, the things I wished for, the things that were like on my radar. It is amazing what has come full circle since that year. And I didn't even realize it. Um, But I used to be so good at making wishes and believing full heartedly that I would achieve them and that they would come back to me. And because I believed in good things, good things came. And not that I'm a pessimist. I just feel like a little bit of that, like, you know, dreamer in me has become kind of realistic. And so I want to just open it up to like living magically, like feeling magical, feeling powerful, feeling like all those things. And so um, getting back to that, that side of myself that I think has just gotten a little bit realistic.
1: Yeah. If that
0: makes sense. Yeah, that
1: makes so much sense. You, know. you always have like struck me as quite a magical person in general.
0: Oh, thank, I, I thank you. I feel like you have,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I, feel like, I don't know if it's because you showed me dressed up as Dobby or... Maybe. You know, but, no, I just feel like you, you have a very magical presence. Oh, well, on stage too, like there's Thanks. there's that, and which is like, I don't I don't often say that, so I'm not just saying it. It's it's an interesting thing that I picked up on. So now that all seems to line up. But I love what you're saying because I think as children we saw and believed in magic. Yeah. And I've always been really into illusion and illusionists and magic. So people like David Blaine or yes. Darren Brown, and I'm always fascinated by it. And and the truth is, as you become older, you want to know how it's done. Yeah. Whereas when you're a kid, you just appreciate it and you just yes. wow that's mind-blowing and and I think it's almost like you're like that like even whether you're on a ride or you're in a movie or whatever it is like your I don't mind just wants to figure out how everything's done right but you lose that sense of magic you lose that sense of spark of feeling of wonder yeah and just being allowing yourself to just be like actually it doesn't matter I don't need I don't need to that. know I'm, I'm allowed to experience
0: and I think that that is one of the most important things that made my career happen is that when I first started, I, you know, I wrote my first album never having written a song before, like my own composition never. Like I wrote my first 12 songs or all the 12 songs that are on my first album. That album changed my life. It took me literally across the world. It went gold in multiple countries and I had never like written Like I was, I'd been a musician my entire life, but I didn't know the rules of songwriting. I didn't know the rules of how to market an album. I didn't, I just worked my butt off and I believed that it would happen and it happened. And I think that, you know, looking back on my beginnings, especially a girl that was like, I want to in, kind of invent my own genre, music, of playing electronic violin music, It's in, all instrumental. And I want to dance while I play. And I want to tour and wear fun costumes. And what? Like, yeah, this,
1: everyone listening to it will be like, yo. This girl's it,
0: insane. And I know that because I, I sat in front of people and tried to pitch what I was doing. And I showed them like videos of me doing it in my living room. Like being like, see, this is the vision. And, you know, I went to record labels and management's And... No one believed it, but there was something inside me where I believed it so strongly because I just had that magic inside of me of like, no, I I know I can do this. And I made big wishes. I made big plans. And when you don't know what's like possible and impossible, sometimes you end up doing the impossible.
1: Yeah.
0: And I look back at just, you know, and like what, what I've gotten to do with my life and in the last 10 years, and I'm just like – it was kind of impossible, but I didn't know that. And so it happened.
1: That's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. What have you found happens when you believe something, but it doesn't necessarily happen at the right time or the time you wanted it to actually not the right time. I take that back. Yeah. You know, yes. it's, it's almost like that feeling of <clears throat> what I mean by you is I, I agree with you. I think that belief is so powerful, but sometimes people will say, well, I have this belief, mm-hmm. but it's not happening, right? Or right. or maybe you've had a belief at times, but it didn't happen in the way you thought it was going to happen. Like, I wh- have
0: so many stories I can think of. Like, which <laughs> one do I tell? Yeah,
1: whichever one. Yeah, whichever I one. I think
0: the most, um, the, the biggest one I can think of was when I first started, I wanted, you know, I had this dream of what I wanted to be, what I could see and it's what I am now. That's what I like saw in my head. And I the f- I, I tried all these different ways to get it out there and every door just closed in my face. And the most public one and the most dramatic one was I auditioned for America's Got Talent. Ah. This is in 2010. So this is 10 years ago. And, um, you know, I made it all the way to the round where it's like live. Oh, And, wow. it's, you know, there's like, I think it was the top, you know, the semifinals, whatever. And now at this point, America calls and they vote for you. It was like really exciting. And in my mind, all I wanted to do was win this show. I knew that if I won the show, my life would change forever in an instant. And, you know, you you win a million dollars, you win a Vegas residency, like it's a big deal. And and they kind of also drill it into your head that this is the biggest moment of your life. Don't blow it. And so here I was, I'd never really performed in front of any more than like 100, 200 people. And here I am on this like live stage with like millions of viewers watching. They even told me before I stepped on the stage, there's 11 million people tuned in right now. Good luck. you know what? <sighs> so I go out there, I'm in the middle of my performance, and I hear the buzz, and that means I got X'd. So not only was it i mean, in that moment, I knew that I'd blown it, like I'd blown the biggest moment of my life. and I walk up to the judges after the after I finished playing, and I got told that I sounded like rats being strangled. It was on live television, like everyone I know is watching. Um including a lot of other people, and you know, and I was told just you know you just don't have what it takes, you're not good enough and I was devastated and humiliated, really bad combo, and <laughs> I remember um I, I went backstage afterwards, like I held it together on stage, you know, like trying not to cry, and then um I ran into the bathroom because that's the only place you could be alone, and I just sunk to the floor and I sobbed, like I sobbed the ugly cry for a long time until they came in and found me and they're like, we're closing up. Like you gotta go. <laughs> and, um, so you know, I packed up my little violin and I just honestly didn't know if I could get on a stage ever again. Cause I was just so embarrassed. Like, you know, even embarrassed in front of my family, even though they were like, you were, you were great. We love you. We're proud of you. It was just, I just was like, I don't even think I can look myself in the eye again. Um, but there's that inner voice, you know, whether I call it my angels or whether you call it your gut or whether you call it intuition, whatever you you call it, we all have it. And it told me you're not done yet. And sometimes that voice will be like, it's time to try a different road. Like there's different things, you know, but listening to your inner gut will always tell you where you should go. And at this time it was, it's not over yet. Mm. And you know, I kept moving forward and I ended up shortly after that, you know, trying several other things and then discovering YouTube, which, um, this was the early days of YouTube. I put some videos out. They went quote unquote viral for the time and it changed my life. And looking back on it, like, thank heavens. I didn't win America's got to Ta- like, thank heavens, I did not, you know, you're locked into these contracts that are really rough. And I never would have been able contractually to start my YouTube channel. I would have been locked into a record label deal. I'm now like an independent artist and I tour the, tour the world. I do it on my own terms. And I never could have done that if I had gotten what I wanted. Yeah. And, you know, there, I just have so many of these experiences where sometimes what you're fighting for and what you want and the door you're banging on, is just not quite the right door. And you just got to turn a little bit. You got to listen to your own voice that tells you where to go. Is it time to try something else? Is it time to keep pushing? Is it time to like just accept where you're at? Like whatever it is, like listen to your heart because it will never lead you astray. And Maybe it's just not the right door. Maybe it's just not the right time.
1: You're amazing. That was awesome. That's so beautiful to hear. We have, we have so much more in common than I knew.
0: Oh, really? Yeah,
1: I can relate to so much of what you just said right now. And I've probably said it in other interviews that I've been in, just that feeling of what you explained of how sometimes what you want is not actually the best thing for you. No, And and I've been in that position so many times. And I literally said this to someone a couple of nights ago. I was like, if I got everything that I wanted, most people wouldn't know who I am or what I'm doing or anything. Like I would have just ended up in this weird side job that i just thought was the dream you know when i was trying to break through and get people to listen to me and the amount of doors that were shut on my face just in the way you've explained where i've always talked about youtube was like my last
0: option yes i've like, done
1: everything <laughs> like i sorry youtube we were not my first choice it was like you know it was like one of those moments of just like every door had been shut it was like you know at that time, 10 media companies had told me that my inspirational video ideas were not good enough and would never make it. And I had three execs tell me I was too old to be in media. I was 28 years old. And they're like, you're too old. Everyone who's trying to get into media is 21, 22. And they were like, just start a blog or like, you know, just, just do that. And then everyone's like, there's no careers in media. Like there's no, there's no, and you don't even have a communications background or a media background or a film background because that's not my background. And so it was just, for me as well there was just one option that option was to try and do it myself yeah and so when I'm hearing you speak it's I love hearing someone else say it because it's it's kind of like reaffirming for me to hear it from you yeah. that something as big as winning America's Got Talent
0: mm-hmm. which
1: is huge
0: which is huge yeah. but
1: you but in your experience you've even found that that wasn't the end of the road right not winning that and i think that that and, and actually i find and i've said this to people before sometimes it's the people that don't win right that go on to do more incredible things than the people that win
0: and i wonder if it's partially because it gives you this little like mm, you know yeah. this little, and you know for me i think in that experience looking back on it um a lot of times people are like what were they thinking they <laughs> like they didn't see what you had yeah. how could they have been so wrong but they weren't necessarily wrong. I agree. You know what I mean? Like looking back at that video, I really didn't perform well. Like I was a baby in it. I was terrified. I hadn't really earned my stripes yet as a performer. I was yeah. too early on that stage in where I was at as like this, you know, I just come up with this idea of dancing and playing and I was kind of awkward at it, really awkward at it. So they weren't wrong. And when they said you're not good enough, they weren't exactly wrong. They didn't have to be mean. But um, yeah. the point is though that I added my own word to it is, I'm not good enough yet. And sometimes when people give you harsh critique, it's easy to like take it to your soul. Like that's who I am. I'm not good enough and I'll never be good enough. But no, it's tonight you weren't good enough. Mm. And that's okay to say. And that's okay to accept for yourself. Tonight, I wasn't quite what I wanted to be yet. I will be better tomorrow. (laughs) I'm going to show up. I'm going to work hard. And now I can say, honestly, when I step on a stage, I've earned my stripes. I worked my butt off. Like not only to like, you know create all of the social media stuff and learn how to live in that world. But on, honestly, just in my skills and my craft, like I've honed in, I still practice it. And so now it's like, yeah, I now have earned my place in this entertainment world. And just because I wasn't good enough yet back then doesn't mean I would never be. Just because you're not where you want to be right now doesn't mean you're not going to get there. And so, yeah.
1: Yeah, you don't have to take something that was true one time and make it true yes. for all time. Like that doesn't I'll, that's just,
0: the way I was trying to it say just it. <laughs> doesn't,
1: yeah, no, 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 I was thinking about it while you were saying it. I yeah. was like, so often we take something that was said one time and we're like, mm-hmm. okay, that's true for all time now. And that's it. Right. And and there is no reality. I love what you just said about adding the word yet yeah. to the end. And and about accepting that it's the same. Like, I do you mind if I share my version? Please, I don't think yeah. I've shared this before. So oh, I want to share, share it because you're, yeah. you're inspiring me to share it. So I was working for a company and I was doing extremely, extremely well there. But I felt that I wanted to leave to work on my passion, which was create videos and share these ideas that were inspiring and motivating. And I believe it would help people in their life. I hadn't yet made anything. Mm-hmm. And the company asked me to create my ideal job profile. And so I created it, which was interviewing people like this, creating videos that help educate and inspire and inform people and making content in a way that people would feel better and be impacted by it. And I remember speaking to the chief marketing officer of this company and I was on the phone with them and they were looking through my list of my ideal job. And they said, Jay, so you want to be an influencer and you want to be a celebrity and i said no i that wasn't there was no that word was not on my list yeah. it was like no i want to do interviews i want to be a host i want to be a content creator i want to edit these videos it was it was and they said no you want to be a celebrity or an influencer i said no no i think you've got it all wrong i i just really believe that i should be making content and they said well we don't have space for celebrities and influencers at this company and literally it was phone down moment and i left like a week later now so many people since that day have always said to me like oh, don't you you want to go back and show them what's happened and tell them? And I'm like, I want to go back and thank them. Uh, Like, I want to go back and express gratitude to them and be like, thank you so much for telling me that there wasn't any space for this role. I still don't see myself as an influencer or a celebrity. That's not the point. But I'm so glad that I was told that this role didn't exist there. There. Because if it did, I'd still be working a full-time job having to create content that was right for that place mm-hmm. and not being able to, same as you said, being an independent artist, getting to yeah. create content that I really believe in and that I really love and that can spread all across the world. So anyway, I, I'm grateful that, yeah, thank yes. you for- uh,
0: No, I love that. It's just this idea that the doors that close that are devastating are oftentimes the best thing that could ever happen to you. Mm. Um, but it's only going to be the best thing that ever happens to you if you keep moving forward, yes. if you keep taking steps and say, okay, well, wh- where's next? You know, what's the next thing? Yeah. Um, I'm um, you know, it's still believing in yourself despite the fact that maybe someone else didn't.
1: Yeah. I'm inspired to sit next to you. I'm so inspired. No, honestly, like you just like put my soul on fire. It's amazing. It's like, it really, anyway, it's awesome. Uh, tell me about, we've talked about professional failure or professional rejection and purpose-based challenges this is purposeful to you the work that you do it's not just you're a musician and you do it from a career point of view it's purposeful Mm -hmm. but tell us about the personal challenges that you have broke through as well like you've battled with anorexia yes and that I mean I'll let you tell me whether that was harder or easier than a professional challenge but it sounds like it's a lot harder when it's personal and with you and your body and your mind I mean tell us about how you went through that experience and how you overcame that.
0: Yes, and I actually love to talk about this because so many people, you know, to some degree or another deal with this, whether they are diagnosably anorexic or whether they just some days hate their body. Like, I think that a lot of people deal with this. And I think depression is something that um whether it's like clinical depression or um chemical or whether it's just situational like everybody deals with that at times of their life and so i think it's something that's so important to talk about and like learn for yourself and understand how you go through these phases and you know i realized when i was in college i was um you know in my i think in the middle of college when i finally came to realizing oh my gosh I'm anorexic. And it took a while to come to that realization because I had been depressed for a really long time. And, um, it happened so slowly that it just consumed me. And I would have defended it forever being like, no, I'm just really healthy because I was exercising all the time. And I was eating like a bunny, like I was eating all like vegetables and, you know, so I would have defended it forever that no, I'm just healthy. But I finally had this moment where I realized that I had sacrificed everything for this. And it happened. The realization for me happened in the most simple moment. And it makes me really emotional, but my sister's my best friend and she was my roommate at the time. And, um, all of our roommates, we were all really close, really good friends. And I heard them all laughing in the other room and just talking. Someone was telling a funny story about a bad date or something and they were all laughing, but I just didn't even have the energy to get off my bed to go in and join because I just, and I also just thought like they wouldn't even want me to join. I just was so depressed. And then my sister came in the room and sat on her bed and I looked at her and thought, I don't know when we became strangers, but I don't, I don't even know how to talk to her anymore. And it was because I had gotten so consumed in my mind by like anorexia is fully consuming. All you think about is yourself. All you think about is your next meal. All you think about is what you look like. Like it's, um, it becomes a very selfish disease that is very isolating. And it's not like you're selfish in the terms of like, Oh, I'm awesome. Like it's selfish in the terms of all you can worry about is yourself because you're so consumed. Um, and so I didn't even realize but I was like I don't remember the last time we had like a real conversation or laughed or talked together and that gave me the courage to be like something is wrong something is definitely wrong in here and I need to figure it out and so I started going to therapy um cuz I was finally willing to fight for happiness again I realized I was sad and you know and you know it took me about 2 years to fully come out of this first cycle of like depression and pull out of it and come out of anorexia and become like, Oh my gosh, I think I'm healthy. And, you know, since then I, I find it being like, um, you know, it's going to always be a part of my life in the weird way. I don't know how else to say it, but it's very much in the background. It's something I don't deal with on a regular day to day basis. But sometimes when I'm like stressed or when I'm worried about something or when I'm over like exhausted, that's when It thinks it has room to come back and it tries to sneak back into my life. And now it's to the point where rather than taking two years to come out of it, now it's like, oh, I recognize you and you're not welcome here. Like You're not a part of my life. And um, and I I really, one of the most helpful books I ever read for my anorexia was a book called Life Without Ed. And it's where this woman personified her eating disorder and she talked to it. And Mm -hmm. she would say, she would have conversations with it and talk Mm -hmm. sense to it because you realize there's a dialogue in your mind and it tells you sometimes really nasty things. And to her, that was not her. That was Ed. It was her eating disorder. And so I started to do that. I started to see these horrible thoughts in my mind as they're not me. Anorexia is not who I am. It's like this little like thing that's come into my life and it's not welcome. And so I constantly remind it to leave. And when I like, if I see a picture of myself and have that thought of like, Oh my gosh, like I look huge. Or if I catch myself in a mirror and think something nasty, I am now immediately tell that you're not welcome. Mm. We don't talk to ourselves like that. I don't entertain those thoughts. And then I'll say something nice to myself. Like I am strong. Like there are so many wonderful things about my body. Like I'm healthy, I'm strong. I can dance. I like to run. Like I, you know, um, and so it's choosing what I am going to let stay now. And also, um, I think that there, there's, it's sometimes takes work. And we don't always put that into play. We all know it takes work to be healthy and to eat right and to exercise and take care of our bodies. But what about our minds and how much attention do we give to the happiness and being positive? And, you know, that's why I write my gratitude journal, all these like little practices I have in my life. And then I think the biggest one for me is just listening to that voice. And when it says something that's unfair, I learned years ago when I was going through therapy and anorexia, you know, to not entertain the bad. Mm. Like, I don't do that. And it's very empowering to say that, to stop your own thought and be like, nope, it's not who I am. Mm. Self-love, you know? That's yeah, what it just all comes no, down to. that's
1: great. I, I love the way you've broken down the process for all of us. And thank you for the recommendations on the books too. It's always, I know the audience loves hearing what books help and work. And so if anyone's struggling with that in particular, it sounds like a fantastic book that it really, is. really helps you understand the voices in your mind and your head and mm-hmm. recognizing which ones are not you. That's a hundred percent true. Yeah, that's 100 percent true. It's always like a bad friend. I think it was Gandhi who said, um, don't let anyone walk through your mind with their dirty feet." Yeah, and it's almost like sometimes it's your dirty feet mm-hmm. or, or another thing that is inside of you. It's almost doing it to yourself. Yeah. Uh, but you're so right that that negative voice in our heads is not us. It's, it's like not. being friend with a bad, you know it's like being friends with the negative influence. and Absolutely. You've started spending so much time with them. it sounds like your voice now. Yeah, So I think that's a really important lesson.
0: Well, it's interesting how it's like we've written these stories and these beliefs in our mind about who we are. And I finally came to the realization that if I wrote this story and became this once upon a time, somewhere along the line, I started to believe these things. I started to write this and then I reinforce it every day in my mind. Mm -hmm. I rewrite the story every day and I punish myself over and over and over again for a belief that I wrote once upon a time. And so if I wrote it once... And if I believe it now, then I can write a new one. Yeah. I can change it. It's gonna take time because our minds love familiarity, even if it's negative. And it, you know, that's just a pattern. Our minds run on patterns. And so it's like, okay, start to break the pattern. It's gonna take time. It took me two years the first time because I was pretty deeply entrenched in a very unhealthy, very, very um trapped pattern. You know, I'm not saying it's gonna take everybody two years, but if it does, that's okay. Don't look at yourself today and think this is who you are forever because I can't even tell you what a different person I am now. Like you, you called me magical in college no one would have called me magical in that time. My roommates would have been, Lindsay's really tired. She's very, you know, she's, she's nice, Mm -hmm. but I just didn't have the energy to be like out there for other people and be kind and be as loving because I was so trapped in this like tornado inside myself. And I'm like, if I could change from that person to like where I am now, where I, you know, I, I, I love to share with people. I, I, I feel like anyone can do it. This is a process that, Start where you are today. Start to love yourself. Start to be kind to yourself. Start to fill your life with more and more positivity. And you can get to be, you can get to anywhere you want. Whether it's, like I said, my journey of like getting off America's Got Talent and having to work step by step to like become the violinist I am now, or whether it's looking in the mirror and being able to say like, you're beautiful to yourself, like start where you're at, but you can get there. And I honestly believe that anyone can be there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. and it takes no, work still. Like, yeah, I of course, it's not like I,
0: you know, I still go through times. Like last weekend, I had a real depressed weekend where I was like, "Dang it! Like I'm in a funk. I'm in a depressed yeah. st- stage, and I don't like being here." But I recognize now that that's okay. It's not who I am. It's a passing experience. Mm. And I think too often we like attach ourselves and our definition of self to like, "I'm depressed. Like mm. this is me." No, it's not me. It's a phase. It's like the cycle of the moon. Sometimes the moon's covered with shadows. Sometimes it's bright. It doesn't mean it's not still there just because you can't see it. And I sometimes get a little covered up. Yeah. And I just have to like go to all my things, like call my therapist, do all the things that I know will help me. I I now take ballroom dance lessons. That really helps me pull out of these like, You know, I called my teacher was like, actually, can we have an emergency ballroom lesson today? Because I'm just feeling down, you know, and I think it's really important to learn, like, what are the kind of things that work for you? Mm. And don't attach your worth and your definition to how you feel in a moment because they come and go.
1: Absolutely. Just like the weather. Just because like it's rainy outside, you know, like oh, I am now rain. Yeah, right. It's not like rainy inside, yeah. and same with the sun. And you're so right about having something though. And I feel movement is such a big part of it. Yeah, like you're, I mean ballroom dancing for you, if, you know, whatever it is for you, it's like I feel movement is always a powerful thing mm-hmm. to add to that space to get you out of so. your head. I, I always find yeah. that whether some people like running and it does, and that's what I mean. Like I love this example of ballroom dancing because it doesn't have to be exercise in the right. traditional sense, mm-hmm. even though we know exercise is great for breaking through. Are depression patterns and negative patterns. It's like exercise can be fun, it mm-hmm. can be a sport, it can be right. dance, it can be so many other things. So, don't feel bound to just exercise.
0: Well, and I love that you said one time on one of your podcasts that your wife will dance every day, she
1: does it every day. And I was
0: like, That's amazing, like nothing great. Yeah, yeah. bra- and you know, and she will
1: say offbeat, that's what she'll add <laughs> offbeat. Yeah, you don't uh, have to be an amazing,
0: or- you don't have to be Derek Huff yeah. in order to yeah, dance, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. or Julianne. I like, yeah. love them both, and they they're, they're yeah. like. Yeah, we amazing. love amazing, yeah. but you don't have to be like that in order to like enjoy movement. And, yeah. there is and they something, said the same
1: thing. Yeah. Even Julianne and Derek would say exactly, we had Julianne on the podcast. Yes. And so she said the same exact thing. She was just like, yeah, like you don't have, she wants people to just move their move. body. And yeah, No, yeah. I love that. And, and tell us about, obviously you mentioned it earlier as well, like losing your best friend and your father, mm-hmm. like close around the same sort of time. Right. Those sound like, like very formative experiences, like very the transformative experiences that, you know, you you seem to have processed in a positive way where you, you know that they're still in your life and they're still benefiting yeah. you. What else is, what was it like going through that loss yeah. and how were you able to use it as a, this now, not just feeling, but this genuine reality that you experienced with them and still being involved in your life?
0: Yeah, you know, it was a, uh, It was so formative in a way because I feel like – I mean, I'd never lost anyone before Mm -hmm. that. And I feel like it gave me this very strong empathy – That I never had before, where now I can, I just feel things a little deeper. Honestly, like my emotions now are always like right up to my eyeballs. I'm like a a second away from crying all the time. Not in a bad way, just like whether I'm watching a horse movie, you know, and like the racehorse is about to win, like, oh my gosh, tears will flood. Or whether like someone's telling me an emotional story, or like, I cry on stage all the time. Like, (laughs) just telling my fans I love them, I start to cry. I love that. You know, but I just feel things like I've always been. A very feely person because I'm an artist, but like it's, there's a depth to it now. And I think that um, going through hard things can either give you like, um, you know, they can either make you harder and tougher or they can make you stronger, you know? And I just think that sometimes we feel like these hard things, like they harden us, but, um, I almost feel like it made me softer Ah. going through this. Um, and, uh, and I honestly think it was, my religious beliefs and my spirituality that pulled me through it. And um turning to that rather than turning to anger. And I remember actually one of the most beautiful moments of my life was um as my we were, it was my sisters, my mom and I, it was my whole family were sitting around my dad's um, hospital bed as we knew that it was his like last moments. You know, we weren't sure when he was going to go. We weren't sure if he could hear us or not. Um but he had quite a long battle with cancer that was really hard to watch. And so as he's laying in this bed, not looking like my dad anymore, um, we sat there and we were just in silence, like not knowing what to say. And then one of my sisters was like, you know what? Let's tell stories about dad. Let's tell like some of our favorite moments. And we just sat there and they started a little like, um, I remember one time. And then before you know it, we were laughing and we were crying and we're all holding hands as we're telling these stories. And, and, In that moment, this shift happened in me where I went from this bitterness of like, how could this happen to my dad, this smart, strong, like the best man I know, funny, like um, he made me who I am. And rather than being angry at what had happened to him and at what I was losing, I just became so grateful for what I had, which was like a lifetime of memories of the most amazing father and the most amazing family that I still had. And then also that I will always still have my dad because I believe he's with me. And he can help me now in ways that he never could have when he was in his mortal body. Like he can really be there to comfort me at any time. And I really think that that was one of the biggest shifts that got me through this experience was realizing to have gratitude for what I have not only had what I have, um, rather than the things we've lost because abundance and lack of abundance exist around all of us all the time, whether you're the, you know, billionaires of the world or whether, you know, you live somewhere remote in a hut. Like we all have abundance and we all have lack of abundance and it's up to us to choose where we are going to look because at the end of the day, we all just want joy. We all just want happiness. And, um, what else matters than like sharing goodness, sharing gratitude, sharing love, and giving yourself the, the ability to have self-love and, you know, forget all the labels and the judgment and the money and the, like, who, who is it that decided we're all supposed to look a certain way? Who is it that decided that money equals happiness? Because it doesn't, you know, who's it that decided that success makes you better than somebody else? It doesn't. Like, all these things that sometimes trap our minds into feeling like we're supposed to be a certain way are, their prisons. You know, and as soon as you can stop all those, those voices and those opinions and just realize, like, what is it that I want to be? I just want to be grateful. I just want to love. And that was a huge shift that happened in me. And it happened, you know, moments before my dad passed away. And it's, to this day, one of the most transformative just moments I've ever had.
1: Thank you so much for sharing that, by the way. It's, it's, it's so, like, heartwarming to hear you express everything through gratitude. Like you can tell how much you've processed everything through gratitude, even the toughest moments of any one of our lives. Like for so, you know, for anyone who's lost someone in any way, anyone who's listening or watching right now, you know that it's not easy to do that. But the fact that you've been able to fuel every situation in your life with gratitude is an amazing lesson for all of us. us. Like it's amazing. It's really, really beautiful. And it's such a such a wonderful reminder for us all to follow that example in all of our different challenges and situations in life and you're just saying there that you know it's all about being joyful etc and like this new album that you've made Mm. Artemis is obviously you say it's one of the first albums that you've recorded from a place of joy yeah as opposed to recording it you know from a place of pain or challenge or struggle that as an artist, I mean, that almost sounds harder sometimes. It does. Isn't it? Isn't it harder? Like, well, it's. Sometimes? Yeah. Like, yeah, tell us about how that was different.
0: Yeah, people always say that, you know, artists make the best music through pain or the mm. best, like, films through pain. And I was like, oh, that's kind of horrible that so we have yeah. to experience pain in order to make good art. And yeah. But to be honest, like, you know, whenever I go to like start a new album or a new phase, it's like, okay, I think, where am I at? What am I feeling? And, you know, my Brave Enough album, which was the previous one, was written about loss. It was right after and like during like all of this that I wrote that album. And I drew from hard emotions. Um, And it was a good, it was a good album. However, I think that this album, Artemis, I think it's my best album I've ever done. And it was really exciting when I like went to think about, okay, where am I at? What am I drawing from? And I got thought, I'm in a place of joy. Like, this is awesome. I get to write about like being in that place, not just hoping to be in that place and like the strive to get there, but like I get to write about it. And I called the album Artemis because um, Artemis is the goddess of the moon. Mm -hmm. And I've really come to appreciate this whole analogy of what the moon represents to me now that I mentioned it earlier just briefly, but that the moon goes through phases. Sometimes it's bright and it lights up the whole night. Like you can literally walk by the light of the moon. Other times it's covered in shadow and you can't even see it. Yeah. And, you know, after my best friend Gavi died and my dad died, I was in a, a little bit of a shadow for about two years. Like I was in quite this like you know, a little bit of a situational depression. And I had kind of accepted that like, you know what? I think loss changes you. And I think this is the new me and it just need to get used to her. And that rose tinted glasses version of myself, that kind of magical person, I think she's gone. And that, you know, okay, this is me. And then after about two years, I just felt myself come back. It's like the eclipse was over <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, it's not that I was gone. I was just covered up by a little bit of shadow and that's okay. And that's why I was like, now think about like depression and all these things of like, they're just, you know, or a hard weekend. They're not who you are. They're passing phases, whether it lasts two years because I lost the most important people of my life or whether it's, you know, just for some reason, you're having a really hard time. Um, it doesn't matter. They're not who you are. And if you keep working on yourself and doing the things that you know help, whether it's dancing in your living room or whether it's going to therapy or um, writing your gratitude journal, just like doing those things. If you keep working on yourself and living with hope, you will f- find your full light again, just like the moon always returns to its full light. And that's what the this album Artemis kind of was all about. It was about coming to full light and expressing that. And um, And it was also really fun because I wrote a comic book like as a partner piece to the album and I'm, I'm actually still working on um, I, the first issues out, but I'm working, it's a six series comic, but it was so fun to write, like inspired by characters and the theme and like, you know, this like story that um, I got to develop. I think it's really important as an artist or as just a person, you know, sometimes we feel like we're running in a hamster wheel a little bit. It's like, okay. I mean, I like my hamster wheel and all, yeah. but like, I've done this, like, this was my fifth album. So I was like, "How can I make my my hamster wheel feel slightly new?" You know, and yeah. you know, it's not like I had to just be like, "I'm done with music and I'm trying something else." It's like, no, I just need a slight shift to make this feel fresh. And for me, that did it for me. Just having a story and a comic book and like writing a music almost as if it's a score for the comic book just made it all feel really fresh and fun.
1: Yeah, that sounds so innovative, and I love the analogy of the moon because for me, it's like that's such a beautiful way of looking at life. Like you don't judge the moon every day.
0: Right. Like you don't
1: go, oh no, it's a half moon today. Or like, <laughs> oh no, it's covered today. Or like, oh no, it's full today. It's like, you realize that it goes through phases. Right. And it's the same with ourselves. Like mm-hmm. we're going to go through phases and you're going to yeah. you're gonna be full of light one day and one day you're not. And it's going to come back around. And, and
0: it's okay. It's, and it's okay. Every yeah, phase is okay. Every phase
1: is okay. And mm-hmm. every phase is still beautiful and useful and has a purpose. Yes. I don't think it would be... Cl- possible for the climate for the moon to shine the same every day like i don't i don't actually think it would be scientifically possible
0: for so. that to be a good
1: thing because of yeah, yeah where where has got to shine and movement when you look at how the design of the universe is so perfect that right if you if you took it out of alignment of the way it is actually it wouldn't be that way
0: right well and so and as you were saying like some of the shadowy moments of your life yeah. you know metaphorically they're the ones that taught you what you need to know. They're the ones totally. that give you that gave me empathy. They're the ones that made me really dig my heels in and be like, I'm going to work really hard so no one ever tells me I sound like a drowned rat again. <laughs> like, you know, whatever those shadow moments are, they're important in your phases yeah. too. Yeah. Um, and they make you really appreciate like when you do get to fully shine, totally. you know, and and also I, I just like that even when the moon is half covered up, it's still shining. It's still shining. It doesn't give up just mm-hmm. because it's you know halfway covered. Yeah. yeah. It
1: shines in the areas that it can. It shines wherever it can. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And we can do the same thing and we can all bring light to darkness. That was another thing I love about the moon. The fact that it's so brave and it faces the night, whether it's a full moon and it's like, I'm powerful or whether it's a sliver, it still shows up to give all the light it can in the darkness.
1: Yeah. Wow, so much, so many beautiful lessons from the so moon.
0: Many, I know, I love the moon. Yeah, it's special. Yeah.
1: yeah, you've, you've, I'm never going to look at a moon the same way ever again. No, yeah,
0: me neither. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, it's amazing. No, it's so beautiful. And I loved what you're talking about innovation. I love that, that even though this is your fifth album, it's not like, oh, and I've done music and I played the violin. Maybe I'm going to go learn how to play another instrument or maybe right. we're going to get into, and I'm going to be a dancer or, and, and there's nothing wrong if you did nothing that. Nothing wrong with nothing that. Nothing wrong with any of that. But it's interesting to see how you can innovate in your space and actually your creativity comes to life. And you innovated a virtual concert, right? Oh, I did. Yeah, tell tell us about that. That sounds like a...
0: It was so crazy. They had me in this whole like suit with all these little sensors all over them. It's like, um, and they created these um, these really cool worlds for me to perform in. I was like a a Lindsay avatar of myself, so I got to actually design it to be like my little Artemis character, you know that I that I made for the comic book, and I got to perform um, online as this avatar in this like futuristic cool world with, you know, and it's fun because, you know, in a live show I can't be like, let me spin through pedals and have them like float around me and like let's have lightning go to the beat of the music. But like, you know, whatever we wanted, we could make it happen because it was a virtual world. Um, and it was just really fun to have fans That's live so cool. all over the world. They're tuning in from, you know, whether it was like some from Russia, some from South America, you know, some from L.A. And it was just like all over the place. And, you know, getting to have that moment together was really just different. And also it was really funny because, you know, I've done a lot of shows in my life now at this point and doing a, like an actual concert to like, there was like hundreds of thousands of people watching, but yet I'd finish a song and it was just like six people in a room with me that were like, (laughs) <laughs> you know, so like that yeah, energy yeah. of a concert. I kept having to remind myself, like, oh yeah, all those little I could see the dots of the people that were in there watching. I'm like, those are all people. They're all here, even yeah. though I can't see them. I can't and they're feel clapping their energy. At home, yeah. yeah, they're they're hopefully clapping at home. Yeah. You know, but <laughs> <laughs> just let my manager and some of the like the engineers, like, yay. <laughs>
1: I love it. Yeah, that's I love. I love the innovation of it. I think that's awesome. I yeah. I'm excited to see what you end up doing with like virtual reality or augmented reality. No. Or like, are you into all that kind of stuff? Or it's like,
0: it's fascinating. It's really yeah. interesting to me. So I, you know, it is fun to think like, what is the next step for that? Like, how yeah. can you know? How can music more be incorporated into that world? And yeah. you know, who knows?
1: Yeah, I think experiences for audiences are just so powerful, and technology allows us to touch so many people that could never be in the room or right. could never travel or...
0: You know, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, about, you know, just dealing with this thought in my mind of, like, ah. social media provides such an opportunity to connect across the mm. world and do so much good. It also, as we know, has such a power to do, like not good. And, you know, we find ourselves sometimes trapped in these comparison, like, you know, situations or like, you know, feeling bad about ourselves because everybody's showing their lives through filters and it seems real, but it's not. And I've really been thinking a lot lately. I'm like, am I a part of the problem (laughs) of social media or am I a part of the good? And I think the answer for me after thinking about it more is like, okay, I think I do feed some of the problem because I, you know, I think I do some of the, a lot of the good I try, but I was like, you know what? I'm sure my fans look at my pictures that are like from photo shoots or like my polished music videos when I, like took hours, literally hours to get ready, like my hair, my makeup, body spray, like, you know, I like look good when I show up on set. you know what your
1: like, music videos are amazing. Thank you yeah. I, I
0: love making my videos. Yeah. and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm sure people compare themselves the same way I compare myself to people's filters. And that's not to say art is art. And you know, this is kind of the realization I've come to. It's okay. Like, I love makeup. I love playing with costumes and fun looks and expressing myself artistically in that. However, if I'm going to do that, I need to be okay with the other side. I need, you know, for me. And so I've realized I've, I've made this new goal of trying to just showcase some unfiltered life online and that's a little vulnerable for me because i don't have flawless skin i still get like i'm 33 i still get breakouts like what (laughs) everyone lied to me and said that was a teenager thing (laughs) and it never got left behind but you know just showcasing and realizing that like yeah it's fun to get dressed up it's fun to do all that artistic stuff but it's only fun if you're okay without it. Mm. I think one of my favorite quotes is from Cool Runnings where the coach says, you know, a gold medal is a wonderful thing, but if you're not enough without it, you'll never be enough with it. And so I, I, I love that movie. Yeah, I love that movie. And so I've really been trying to make sure like, if I'm going to do all this other stuff, I have to balance it. Like life has to be balanced. And if, because I also get used to seeing myself with these filters, whether it's like the funny filter with bunny ears that makes your skin flawless and like, ah, or whether it's like looking at myself through the lens of a music video, you know, I need to be okay looking at myself in the mirror and saying, I'm just as beautiful without Mm -hmm. all of that. And and it's funny because when I do post like that, you know, my fans, all say, that's what I'm the most beautiful. And I need to, be- I need to believe that. And also I just want them to see that, like, I have frizzy, crazy hair and acne and like all of that. Like, so I've been thinking a lot about that lately of trying to make sure I'm not a part of the problem of social yeah. media. And I, you know, and it's, I don't know, it's been a really interesting balance over the last like two months yeah. to try to like gauge for myself personally and yeah. for my fans
1: yeah, no, absolutely, and I, I, I really respect that. But, I, th- I think it takes a lot of. Because it, there's, there's two sides to it as well, and and this is kind of like the balance that you're saying. of like we also don't want people to play down their lives, right? So that we all settle for less, right? You know what I mean? It's like you want to be creative, and you want to bring your art, and you yeah. want to do body, and you want to look, and it's not like you're. I think that's the point that you're not saying, oh, I look beautiful here and I don't look beautiful here. Right. That's what we don't want. But we also don't want people to just settle and not be extravagant and not play for that because right. there's art and beauty in that as well. Yes. And and I almost feel like we don't want to create a culture, just as we don't want to create a culture that just celebrates filters. Yes. We definitely don't. We also don't want to be a culture.
0: That only accepts.
1: That only accepts. And when I'm saying average, I don't mean beauty or how you look, but it's like, creativity or passion or purpose, totally. right? It's like that. It's
0: that balance. And it's yeah. like, you know, I'm sure- There's no right like, answer. I'll yeah. go too far and then I'll be like, I went too far and then I'll go too, you know, it's it's yeah. probably going to be an ever-fluxing, you know, balance. But like I said, it's like, it's just as much for me as it is for anyone else. It's mm-hmm. like, because I find myself comparing to other people's me filters yeah. and we all do. So it's like, well, then I have to be really okay with myself yeah. without the filter so that I can love being that person that is behind the camera. Like, because if I love who's underneath all of that, then it's gonna be all the more enjoyable to be like dressed up with antlers on and in this crazy dress and, you know, as long as I'm okay with without all of it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Anyways, yeah.
0: Just something I've been thinking about a lot. Yeah, lately. no, I I'm love like, it. Yeah. Oh. And
1: I think we need to work, you know, that's, I think that's going to be something we're all going to get right and wrong every day. It's, Absolutely. it's, it's a process for it's all of us. Figuring it out. <laughs> yeah. Figuring it out. Like it's the same for me. It's like, I want to give as much content to remind people of the work we need to do. Right. And at the same time, give enough content that also says, celebrate who you are. And it's like, right. it's the both, right? It's because you need both. to take a pause. There are days where I'm like, I just need to celebrate and I to end, be really grateful for a man. And they're like, no, I need to start working now. You know, yeah. it's, and you need both and it's never right to just do either or. Because if Such you just celebrated all day, you'd just be complacent. Yeah. And if you just were hard, tough love with yourself every day, you'd yeah. get worn out.
0: That's the biggest challenge of life is balance. Mm. Like, and I guess like, kind of like you said, it's just being able to listen to yourself and know what you need. What is it time to do? Is it time to like hit the pavement run? Or is it a self-care day where I just got to take care of myself and say, it's okay. You're doing good. Like, (laughs) or is it a tough love day where it's like, get up and go. I don't know. It's just, it's this ever fluxing, like ever figuring it out. And that's so funny the way you put it of like, do I tell people to like love themselves and like celebrate or go? Yeah, Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And, and, with with all your new music that you're creating, do you feel like this storytelling was what really brought it to be even more powerful to what it's ever been before? Like the comic, the, the music videos. Like I feel like there's just so many elements to how you keep challenging yourself right. in, in a positive way.
0: Right. Well, it's funny because I've always... See, I've realized I'm more of a storyteller, I think, even than a musician. That's what drives my creativity. And it always has been like a lot of times I get the music video idea first and then I write the song <laughs> so that I can make the video. Because, I mean, I went to film school before yeah. I, I was going to be a director before I ended up realizing, actually, no, I want to be a violinist, but violinist. I'll direct my own <laughs> videos, you know. So I took like the backdoor approach to directing. Um but yeah. And a lot of times it was always like kind of one-off, like single stories, like, okay, this song is about a ma- ballerina that's stuck in a music box. And that was to symbolize like me breaking free from anorexia, like feeling like I was stuck in this like perfect porcelain, you know, facade of what everyone wanted me to, or what I thought I needed to be. And then breaking free from it. Um, you know, and I've done some that were pirate themed or like steampunk and, but this album was really fun. Cause it's like a continuous story. So I've already made like you know, three music videos for it that kind of, are, you know, introduce the characters and then tell a little bit of the story, then introduce the villain. And then, you know, and right now I'm, I'm planning two more that I'm so excited about. One of them is like, you know, this beautiful ballroom dance that introduces the love story. And like, so it's been really fun to not just have these one-off moments with like, okay, here's some characters in three minutes of, of a story, but it's like, no, this is introducing you to a world and like, you know, themes and, um, something bigger than just little bite size. And that's been really fun to like, you know, and also the tour, it made the tour more fun yeah. because, you know, it's the Artemis tour and, you know, the, the, the stories kind of weave through the show, through instrumental music. It's kind of like, no one probably knows exactly what's going on, but they can feel it. Like- <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's
1: what I was going to ask you. Like, I'm hoping that listening to this interview, my audience already knows you, already loves you and falls more in love with you. And my audience who doesn't know you is going to go and listen to your new album that's my hope and that's I my wish so. and that's my recommendation I to like all it. of you. What, what is the feeling that you think people are going to get from this new album? Like, what is it as a listener, as a audience, mm. when someone goes and listens to Artemis, like, what are you hoping that they're going to feel and, and what is it going to give them?
0: You know, overall, so I kind of wrote the album where it starts a little more intense, and then it goes a little bit like to a, like a sweeter feeling. And then it goes to like a super like, whew. so the whole album, it's funny. No one listens to like albums back to front anymore. Like they used to, like when we would go and buy <laughs> yeah, an albums yeah. at the store. We're the same, yeah, like, same generation. same would listen to it front to back, you know. Yeah. But I still take a lot of thought in like how the album progresses. And even as I was writing, I would be like, we need a song to fill this gap because I don't have one that creates this emotion. So the whole album kind of like takes you from like intensity to like, <sighs> um, but uh, I I always hope that when people come and, you know, to my show or when they come to my YouTube channel and see a video or if they're listening to my album, my biggest hope that people will feel, and I've, I've always said this, light. Even before I had the whole Artemis theme is I just hope that people will feel light, their own light, their own self-love and feel empowered. Yeah. And, you know, whether it's listening to the music, but especially at my shows, I just want people to leave and feel Pumped and like, yeah. yes, I can do whatever I want. in Life, like, I can go out there and I, I like, I just want people to feel full of light and yeah. and self love when they come into my world. And you know, that's my greatest hope anyway. Yeah. And
1: yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've always felt listening to your music that, and and I'm recommending this to everyone who's who will go ahead and listen to the album too. Like, I've always felt like this warm embrace from your music.
0: Oh, like it, that's
1: how it feels to me. At well, least, thank it, you. Uh, yeah, it's like a very you know comforting, but not in a Comforting, but not in a junk food kind of way, like, like you know, like comforting in in a in a soothing, calming, like feeling understood, feeling, mm. uh, really cool. feeling more connected to yourself. Like I've always felt that way when I've ever watched any of your work or listened to it as well. So that's yeah, that's my personal experience, and I really really hope everyone who's listening or watching will go and find it. Where's the best place that people can come and listen, learn, find out about you, whether it's your tours, your new album? Like where where's the best place?
0: Well. I mean, I think for me, seeing an artist live, yes, always I don't know, I feel that's when I get to know an artist. Mm-hmm. And I I hope that's how it is for my music as well, but yeah. I I think that coming to see the live show, um whether it's me or anyone else, it's just like I get it. Yeah. You know, you get to fully experience like a 360 version. So, I hope you guys come see me live and yeah. um if you're not sure if you want to come to the live show if that's like too much commitment for where we're at, <laughs> I understand. Um <laughs> come visit my YouTube channel. I, right. I think that's one of the best places that, you know, cause I feel like my music is not just meant to be heard. It's meant to be seen.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, that's how I write is I, I think of these stories. And so um, I hope you at least check out my YouTube channel. And then, you know, if I win you over, kind of my show, <laughs> we'll be here. We'll be in the U S in the summer and, um, we'll be in South America and Russia this year. We're,
1: Amazing. we're
0: skipping, we're skipping around. I'm yeah. very excited.
1: I love hearing that. Awesome. So Lindsay, we end every interview with the final five, which is our rapid fire, quick fire round, which means I ask a question you have to answer in one word or one one sentence maximum. No more than that.
0: Okay. These Uh, always make me so nervous. Good, good,
1: good, good. (laughs) Okay. So here's your final five. The first question is, uh, the best thing about collaborating with John Legend?
0: (laughs) Classy. I felt classy. <laughs> oh yeah. You felt classy.
1: Not that he's <laughs> well, classy. Well, no, he's classy. He's cla- so
0: yeah, yeah. Re- classy is move. contagious. Classy. Contagious, yeah.
1: classy. Yeah, okay. All right. I love it. Um, what's a question you wish more people would ask you? Spirituality. Okay. Wonderful. I hope we asked you that today. We did. Yeah, okay, good. Question number three. Uh what's one word you'd use to describe the violin?
0: Expressive. Mm.
1: Like, so good. These emotions. are good. You, this is very good. I'm very. Impressed. I like want to explain every good. word. Yeah, yeah I know key. you do. I know. I know. No, and point. Point. I get tempted, and I'm like, no, let me help. Like, point. I always destroy this uh, routine <laughs> of. Wait, wait. Okay, uh, when when you're struggling to be creative, what's the one thing that gets you creative?
0: Experiencing.
1: Mm. Nice. I like. It. I want to ask you all. I'm, I'm like, yeah. I'm holding back. Okay. <laughs> and your fifth and final question. What's the best spiritual lesson you learned in the last 12 months?
0: Um love. Do
1: you want to expand on that?
0: Um, just that there is no pure way to experience spirituality than to just love people. Love yourself. Just um, I mean, I think that's the true essence of spirituality is that love connects us all. And like when you really lead with love in your life, uh, that's when you find the most magic, Mm -hmm. the most spirituality. And that's also when like people are people, not objects, not, you know, something to be like gained from, or, you know, Mm -hmm. lost from, or whatever. Like people are, people are beautiful and they're people. And love I think is the greatest connection for me to spirituality.
1: I love it. Thank you, Lindsay. Lindsay Sterling, everyone, make sure you go and follow her on YouTube, on Instagram, go and check out our website, go and listen to and download the new album Artemis as well. Make sure you check it out. She's touring in the summer. So if this has made you feel the magic through a camera and through, if you have not been watching, but through listening, then please, please, please go and see her live. Lindsay, I hope I get to spend loads more time with you. I hope so. Like I just, yeah, you're amazing. Like literally you're incredible. Like I feel so personally inspired by just hearing you speak like it's just yeah you have an incredible aura and energy honestly I'm not oh, just saying that yeah, yeah I felt it thank very you very so passionate today
0: well, likewise uh, I was yeah, so, so excited so. that like I could be here and have this conversation I love listening to you I you know I love following what you share and put into the world and I just think um, it's inspired me a lot to seek of how can I share more because yeah, of the please do the way you, you don't do. stop
1: sharing the way you share okay. well. yeah we need more of it thank you <laughs> lindsay thank you so much thank you. thanks everyone for listening and watching make sure that you share with us and tag me and Lindsay in your favorite takeaways from this episode. So if there's anything Lindsay said that stood out, that really resonated with you, make sure you post on your Instagram stories, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, wherever you post, and make sure you tag both of us as well in the post so that we can see, comment, and interact with you as well. Thank you again for being part of the On Purpose family, and I'll see you again next week.